Hey, I'm Dave. It's great to be back. And if you're wondering, yeah, little Reagan is taller than me now, which I still can't believe, but, you know, I'm getting over it. Um, so if you're listening to this song, what a, it's a powerful song, and this, uh, this idea of Ebenezer, you may be wondering, what exactly does that mean? Or you're like, I knew what it meant years ago. But Ebenezer basically means the stone of help. It was a monument or memorial of how God had showed up. This is a story from, you know, Israel, Old Testament. But God showed up, and they put a stone to remember his faithfulness. And so this morning, as we open up the scriptures, um, I believe God's going to show up. God's going to show up in your life and my life. And it is, uh, it's pretty cool to be back, uh, Rock Hills, uh, see familiar faces and new faces, and so grateful for you. And it reminds me of, you know, back in 2006, we, uh, Candace and I, we were with the DeYoungs beginning to pray about moving to Texas to start a new church. We didn't have a name for it. We didn't know what it was going to be. We didn't even know if it was going to happen, but we just had a sense on our hearts that God wants us to do this. And I want you to know, I'm so thankful for Adam and this incredible community here uh, for all the ways that you serve and reach out to this community because we moved here because we love San Antonio um, and we still pray for you and it is so good to be back. So um, I'm going to get into this text. So if you are familiar with, like, Holy Week, the week that goes into Easter, if you grew up in church, maybe you're kind of familiar with how the days go. The first Sunday, it's called Palm Sunday, and it's this Sunday where Jesus was um, going into Jerusalem, and he, he shows up gets a donkey. He's riding in a donkey. People are celebrating. They call it this triumphal entry as Jesus is heading to Jerusalem. Now, they were expecting that he was going to overthrow Rome. This was like Jewish nationalism. People are going nuts. They're fired up, but they had no idea what was about to happen. That was not Jesus's focus. In fact, Jesus had been avoiding Jerusalem if you read in the text in John chapter 12, and um, I, I encourage you to read through this story in the Gospels. Each Gospel tells the story of what happened in the last events of Jesus' uh, life on earth. But um, he was staying away because the religious leaders wanted to kill him. They were done with all the attention he was getting, the crowds that were following, the people, you know, he was you know, saying he was the anointed one, God's Messiah, and they're like, we're taking him out. So he's avoiding Jerusalem. But then he said, it's time. I am going to Jerusalem. So he gets on the donkey, palm branches, all the hurrah, and here's what we read in the text. Because Jesus, his, his purpose wasn't conquest in Jerusalem. It was death. He was ready to lay down his life. And here's what the text says in John chapter 12. Jesus said, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, 
Anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will also be. My father father will honor the one who serves me. Now, my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it is for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. So this is like, there's a lot going on here as Jesus prepares to go. He knew what was ahead. He knew he was going to be arrested. He knew death awaited him. And yet he's saying, Father, I'm ready. Glorify your name. Now, a couple things I want to say about this text. And as we, as we kind of walk through the message today, um, I, I kind of want to um, answer some questions maybe that you have about this text. The one is Jesus, even though he was son of God, son of man, he was God himself, he was fully human. And so I think that's encouraging for us as he entered our world and experienced our life fully. He recognizes what it's like for us to be human without sin, but he says, this, the text says, I'm troubled. And as you read the last days, the last events of Jesus' life on earth before death and resurrection, he was going through anguish, knowing that death was coming. Here's one note for you, too, as we look at this text. He says this line, and he says it in a number of different ways throughout the Gospels. He says, anyone who loves their life will lose it. Anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And you're like, how am I supposed to hate my life? What did Jesus mean by that? And so here's a quick note. So Jesus often spoke in Aramaic. The Aramaic in Hebrew, if you look at the word hate, it doesn't mean hate as we understand it. The word means basically um, a thorn or a thistle. And essentially, if you think of something that's thorny or something that's sharp, you're to avoid it. And what he's saying is you need to avoid loving your independent life in this world because I have more in store for you. So keep that in mind. All right, so I want to talk about death. And we're going to talk Jesus' mindset. He's going toward death. He knows what's coming how often do we think about death? I mean, it's not our favorite subject, right? We think about death when someone we love has either died or they're experiencing severe health problem or we have something going on ourselves. Typically, we avoid thinking about death. We don't want to think about it. It's not on our radar, especially if we're young or a younger person. You just don't think about it, right? Maybe someday... I mean, the reality is every one of us is going to die. That's part of being human. But we don't think about it. I mean, some of us, maybe you think about it a lot, but most people don't. You may have kind of this um, sentimental view of death. It's like, oh, well, someone dies and they go to a better place. And I believe that's true, but the question is, why does a person go to a better place? What happens after death? Because death is pretty mysterious to us, right? Right? God, he gives us a little bit in the scriptures of what to expect after death, but we don't know very much. So it's very mysterious, and our tendency is to not think about it at all. And I think in this story, we have to consider death. First, why did Jesus die? What was the purpose in his dying? And what happens as we 
kind of die to ourselves and try to do our best to live for God. So here's, um, as we get at the, the question, why did Jesus die? Why did he have to die? What was the purpose in it? Um, here's a quote. I think this is a great quote. The risk of love is loss, and the price of loss is grief, but the pain of grief is only a shadow when compared with the pain of never risking love. Now, that's a pretty deep statement, but here's the reality, is God loved the world. He loves you and me so much that he was willing to risk. That's why Jesus, the Son of God, came into the world. Maybe you've heard the uh, familiar verse from John chapter 3, so God For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever would believe in him would have eternal life. That gets at the heart of it. God was willing to risk everything for us, to send his son into the world. So here's the first thing that I want you to know about death as we think about it today. And this is from God's perspective. So first, death is not natural. Now, you may be saying, I don't know if that's true, because a lot of us, we've, we've said, right, death is a natural part of life. And in one sense, that's true. For in our world, every human being is going to die. But it wasn't meant to be that way. That's why death is not natural, because God created, if you go back to the beginning of the scriptures in Genesis, God created human beings in his image, male and female, to live in relationship with him. And so we go back to the garden, Adam and Eve. They had, I mean, perfect relationship with God. Trust, dependence, uh, purpose. They, they knew what they were supposed to be about. Each day was filled with joy. Their work was satisfying. All these things that can be a struggle for us. That was God's design. For us to not experience death, but for us to experience life. So what happened? Well, the fall happened. And if you're familiar with the biblical story, um, Adam and Eve, there was uh, the serpent that came up. Basically, the enemy of God showed up and tempted them to choose something else other than trusting God. And it seemed incredibly appealing Right? There was, God gave them everything in the garden. There's one tree, the tree of good, the knowledge of good and evil that they couldn't eat from, and yet they did. And at that point, their eyes were opened and darkness, sin, which is independence, it's our rebellion from God, that entered the world. And we live in a world where we see death on a regular basis, Right? We see brokenness in our relationships. We see brokenness across the world. Again, another shooting this past week in, Na- in Nashville. It's, I mean, it breaks our heart because we say this is wrong. This is not the way it should be. Death is in the world. And the question is, why did Jesus come to die? And what can we do about it? So here I want to go to this next text from Hebrews chapter 2. Because the author of Hebrews starts to give some clarity on the purpose of Jesus' death and what it means for us. Here's what the author says. God, for whom and through whom everything was made, chose to bring many children into glory. 
And it was only right that he should make Jesus, through suffering, a perfect leader fit to bring them, many children, into their salvation. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as, human, or as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives, lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Now listen to that. It gets to the purpose of Jesus coming to the world. He came into the world to live, right, to live a perfect life in relationship with God, something that we can't do on our own. But he came to this world to die, to break the power of death and sin, and to bring us back into the family. Because we were meant to be his children. That was God's design from the very beginning. Now, here's what's incredible. When I think about this text, in Hebrews, the author kind of lays it out in chapter 1 of Hebrews and now into chapter 2. But Jesus, who's God's very own son, he created the universe, he radiates the glory of God, this is what the author talks about, expresses the very character of God, he became one of us, he became human, even though he's fully divine, to destroy the power of death and sin. I mean, is that risk? That's incredible that God would do that. And that's what, when I kind of think about it late at night or I ponder on this, I'm like, why would God do that for us? He's God. And yet it shows his love and his commitment to the creation and to you and me and his willingness to risk and to send his son into the world for us. That's why Jesus came. He came to break the power of sin and death in the world and in our lives. So as we think about that, you know, you may be wrestling with the reality, why is this world so messed up still? If Jesus did that, why is it such a mess? Why is there so much death and suffering and violence and pain? And so as you, um, maybe you're thinking about your own faith and you have questions and you have doubts this morning, maybe you're hurting, you're angry, you feel disconnected from God, that's okay. We're, we are so glad that you're here in this community. That's what we sort out together because this life is hard, right? We go through stuff and you may be going through something right now and the enemy, remember there's this enemy who's always whispering in our ears wanting us to doubt God to say God doesn't love you. He doesn't care about you. God has no purpose for your life. There's no, there's no life beyond death. I mean, that's what the enemy likes to whisper. And yet God is inviting us in this morning. Jesus came for you and he came for me. He came for billions of people across this world because of God's love for us. So here's the second thing that we learn through Jesus' death, God's perspective on death, God wants death to draw us to himself. Just us recognizing that there is a limit to our life, that we do live in a broken world, and ultimately we need to be, there's something missing, we need to be reconnected with the God who made us. And so, um, 
you know, that's, again, as we, as we kind of think about what does that mean in our life, we have a lot going on, right? We have jobs and we have families and we have things to do this week. We don't sit and reflect very often on this idea of what does death have to do with it? You know, what is God trying to do or show me in my life? Um, but that's where I think this next text helps us. In Romans chapter 6, here is what the Apostle Paul, who spent a lot of time unpacking this with Uh, the early church. He says, since we have been united with him, Christ, in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We're no longer slaves to sin. It doesn't control us any longer. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. Here's what Paul is saying. It's this incredible, mysterious thing to us, is that when we put our faith in Christ, there is now no more condemnation for us. God doesn't hold us to account for all of our sin or independence. Jesus covers that. That's why he came. And we can't save ourselves. We can't do it on our own. We put our trust in Jesus. In that sense, we become united to his life, death, resurrection, his ongoing presence. What does that mean? It simply means that what he did for us becomes a part of us. And so our own independence, here's where we need to make a choice, right? Because here's a question. Anybody after you said, okay, I want to follow Christ, everything like went perfect in your life, right? I'm sure you could say, yeah, I, you know, my, my spouse would say, I'm perfect now. If you say that, uh, we got to talk. Nobody's perfect, right? We're, we're all human beings. And yet we begin this process of learning to trust God on a daily basis where he's at work in us. Where our old nature, which is our selfish desire, our own desire to live our own life, we start to put that to death, right? It's that idea of where we hate it, as Jesus said. We don't hate it, hate it. We just avoid it. We're pushing it aside to say, God, I want to follow you. And then his spirit helps us as we're becoming familiar with the scriptures, as we live in community with other Christians, as we do our best to be, you know, a a good presence in the world, God begins to help us, you know, because we're not going to live perfect. We're going to make mistakes. We're still going to hurt people, right? We're going to have to ask forgiveness. We're going to make, you know, all all that kind of stuff, but we're in a process of growth where we trust that we're becoming more like Christ, right? You know, that's the, the beauty of it. We're united with Christ, not only in his death, but in his life. We are united with him, which brings us to the third thing, which is death shows us how to live for what matters most. Now, think about that for a moment. You may have stuff that's important to you. You may have hobbies, interests, all that kind of stuff. And Some of that's great stuff, right? That's just part of life. But Jesus, as we follow him, helps us to set our priorities right so we can live for what matters most. So we'll be actually willing to lose our life, right? 
to connect with the things of God, to be a part of what God's doing in the world. You know, sometimes we can think about our own struggles, we get lost in our own struggles. You know, sometimes um, it, it's our health, sometimes it's decisions that we've made, and we're just, we're kind of stuck in it, right? And uh, I, I remember this conversation I had, um, I've led a lot of groups um, over the years in ministry, and uh, just I'm having fond memories of some of the times that we spent together in groups. Uh, but this goes way back, I was in a guy's group, and we were having a conversation about um, basically what Jesus did for us. And the author, we were reading a book and then talking about the scriptures, and the author was saying that, you know, we all have to stand before the judgment of, of God. And it says that in the scriptures a few times. It's kind of, it's confusing to us. How does that work? And we were talking about our group, and the, um, the author basically said we, we stand before, it's like in an athletic event, we stand before the Bema seat, the judge, who basically says, you know, here's the winner of the race. And, um, and so we're looking at the scriptures and kind of talking about uh, what the scriptures say. And this guy, his name was Brad, he says, now wait a second. He said, I- I've always been, you know, like super wigged out by this. Like I think about the day I have to stand before God. And um, when I think about that time, I see this movie or this long video that God plays of all of my sins, my mistakes, my, the stupid things I did in life. And he's like, it's, I mean, just like his face was, you know, fell as he talked about it. And the author was saying, that's not the kind of picture of what judgment looks like. And uh, so as we talked, you know, through what the author was saying, there's a different video that plays out. And the video that God plays, because Jesus is the one who died for all of our mistakes the different, wrong directions we went, the ways we hurt people, whatever it is. Jesus died for us for that. He took the punishment for sin, for humanity. And he's the one who brings us life. So the video that we see when we stand before God one day is not all the wrong we did. It's all the good things, all the things that we are part of that God wanted to do in the world. And so my friend Brad, when he thought about that, he's, you know, his face lit up and then his, he lost his smile. And I'm like, oh, Brad, what's, what's wrong? He's like, well, I just started to think about it. That video or movie that's going to show all the good things that I did with God in the world, it's going to be really short. And, uh, and we laughed. We were like, come on, Brad. Um, but that's the reality for us or the opportunity that each one of us have is we choose to be a part of what God's doing in the world. And it doesn't have to be anything extraordinary. It's just us simply saying, Jesus, I want to follow you today. Will you lead me? Will you give me your spirit, your eyes to see so I can be a positive presence in, people's, in the people's lives around me? And that's day after day we can pray that. And that's the opportunity we have. And so I want to encourage you as you think about how God may be speaking to you today. And you may be thinking, I, don't, I just don't think I have anything special to give or I don't have anything, any you know, particular or uh, extraordinary things that I can do or help other people with. But you do because God is with you. 
God wants to lead you, and God's inviting you to be a part of what he's doing in the world because death shows us, the death of Christ shows us that our life matters, and we can choose to live for what matters most. One last text as we get ready to finish up. It's from Corinthians. Paul talking about this reality that for us as human beings, I mean, we don't have it all together, but we're connected to God as Christians, as we follow Christ. And he says this in 2 Corinthians 4. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing great treasure. You have great treasure in Christ. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We're pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We're perplexed, but, driven, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but not abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we're not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Now, that's a really big statement that Paul made, but what he's saying is, as we trust God on a daily basis, even though we go through difficult stuff, it's worth it, and God will be present with you. And as you walk alongside someone else, really, you're like, um, you know, someone who's, we've all suffered, we've been through difficult things. When we come along somebody who's going through a difficult time, we're bringing life to them. And we're showing Jesus, the life of Jesus, to people. And you can do that today. I believe it. So my, my encouragement is for us to choose to experience more of God. And we can do that with just the simple prayer of asking God to lead us. And so I want to pray for you as we finish and then uh, we'll get out of here. Father, this morning as we think about this week as Jesus prepared for death, I pray that we can enter into it to be amazed, to be moved by what he was willing to do for us, to do for people across the world who would put their trust in him. And Lord, that we, um, we would be willing to follow. Maybe we have some things that we need to leave behind to look to you and to say, God, help me so that I can make a difference in someone's life. Help me to risk to love, to reach out, to come alongside of someone who needs to know your love. God, I'm thankful for the work of this important community, this powerful community who has treasure to share with this world right here in San Antonio. To strengthen this church, this community. And may you do remarkable things through them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.